2 Corinthians chapter number 4, interesting, interesting stuff in this chapter, but a couple of verses that I really want to hit tonight, the Lord just put on my heart, really, truly, because of what's going on in the world. We live in a world that is just absolutely upside down. We seem to be living in a world that people say that what's right is wrong and what's wrong is right and people actually believe it. And by the way, the Bible has predicted that already. There's been a lot of times in our life where we really thought, well, where where in the world are we going to go from here? What are we going to do if it's just going to keep getting worse and worse? Well, I've got news for you. The Bible tells us that it's going to wax worse and worse. The world is doing exactly what the Bible has told us that it would do. And in 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, verse number 8, I began to look at Paul and see how in the world he could possibly begin to possibly say these words. In chapter number 4 and verse number 8, he says, look at this, we are troubled on every side. Now, how many of you can say amen to that? <laughs> we have truly been troubled on every side, it seems like. But look at this word that he says, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. When we read through these verses, we say, boy, he must have been in a bad place, but yet he had an answer for everything. Thankful that he can say that. We're troubled on every side, but I'm not distressed about it. I'm perplexed, but I'm not in despair about it. I'm persecuted, but not forsaken. I'm cast down, but I'm not destroyed. Why can Paul say that? Paul can say that the same way that we can say that, Brother Steve, is the fact that we know the same Savior that he knew. We serve the same God that he served. We were saved by the same blood that he was saved by. And that's how we can possibly say the same thing. Boy, things are looking bad. Things are looking grim. Things are looking dark. The world doesn't really is not going in the direction that I would hope that it would go in. But thank God that we have a hope. A blessed hope. Glory to God. A great hope. And that hope is in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. God, we thank you for what we've already felt. We thank you for the fellowship that we're able to have. Lord, I beg you right now, God, that you just take these next few moments. God, and I pray that you just touch this service. Lord, I pray that you would be with the reading of your word. Lord, I pray that you would just touch me, God, that I might be able to preach as you'd have me to preach tonight. God, guard my mouth and my mind that I might be able to say only what you'd have me to say. And Lord, I pray that you would just touch this congregation and those that are joining us by way of the internet. God, I pray that you'd touch them as well. Lord, I pray that you'd put this on their heart. God, I pray that the the word of God would be planted deeply in their heart. God, that they'd be encouraged, that they'd be edified by the fact that we do not have to be distressed about what's going on in this world. But we can have hope because of the blood of Jesus Christ and because of those wonderful things called salvation that you've provided for us. Justification and glorification that we're looking forward to. Lord, I pray you'd be with us now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. So we live in a world that's attempting to do everything to take down Christianity. We have people that are claiming to be Christians, 
that are not living Christian lifestyles. And they are doing it publicly. And giving the name of Christianity a bad name. We're living in a world that they're trying to take the word of God and they're trying to strip the values of the marital bonds that God has already set up from the very beginning of time. They're trying to take away and remove the sanctity of life. This world that we are living in is trying to do all of these things, but we still stand on this right here. It does not matter what the government says, but this right here. They may legalize a lot of things, but thank God that we know the one that wrote the book and knows all about it. They may try to strip all those values away in the institutions of the family and belittle all of that and mock us because of that. But church, I'll be honest with you, when we're under attack, we shouldn't be surprised by it. As a matter of fact, 2 Timothy, it tells us this, Know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. That's a promise. The promise that those times are going to come and for men to be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affections, truce bakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying, denying the power thereof, from such turn away. Now you say, Brother Shane, this seems to be a rather hard Wednesday night sermon. I'm just going to preach what the Lord laid on my heart. Because we have to answer to Him. And we have to make sure that we do exactly what He would do. But when I begin to look at these verses, I begin to see another thing that, boy, this is all about faith. This is all about making sure that that we, we just have faith in God, knowing that no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what's going on in the circumstances around us, that God is still on the throne. That God is still in control. And as long as God is on the throne, and as long as God is in control, and as long as I am in God's hands, I am going to be all right. See, we're warned to, uh, we are to, to take heed to these last verses, to begin to look at those verses. And Jesus even forewarned that nations are going to rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in diverse places. I'll be honest with you, I think a lot of that's going on. If you look at the world news, and praise God, I try not to, I try not to watch the news as much as I have to. I'll be honest with you, Sister Heather and I, we were sitting there last night and uh, late in the evening and, and uh, I, I, she turned the television on and she said, Shane, you're going to have to turn that off. And I said, well, I didn't turn it on. She said, you got to turn that off. That just makes me mad. That makes me want to go slap somebody. I said, glory to God. Now, see, y'all thought Sister Heather was just all sweet and dainty and nice and didn't do anything. She's got a side, I'll tell you. To the moon, praise God. I know some of y'all that know what I'm talking about there. She said, that just makes me angry. I, I, I want to make sure that, that these people that are doing all these things, they're just telling lies and they're going in all these different directions and they're, they're, they're t- saying the things that we are trying to say are that they're going in direct Direct conflict to that, direct against us. What what they're saying is what they're doing, and they're lying about all these things. But in Second Corinthians chapter number four, verse number eight, our our text it simply says that we are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not 
destroyed. See, in our text, we have a series of what seems to be unsurmountable issues. And thankfully, there's a relief promise to every one of them. I love the fact that he uses that word, yet. Thank God. When he says that one thing, we are troubled on every side. Notice that there is a comma there. If there was a period, we would be in trouble. But God in his infinite wisdom and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God began to say, don't stop there, Paul. Keep on going. Yet, yet, what is it? Yet we are not distressed. When we begin to look at that, he uses that word yet. And in other places, he uses that conjunction, but. And what does that mean to say? It means to say, well, uh, a contrary wise, uh, nevertheless, wait a minute, we're not done. Wait, you may be distressed. You may be uh, uh, troubled on every side, but you don't have to be distressed about it. You may be perplexed, but you don't have to be despaired about it. You may be persecuted, but you have not been forsaken. You may be cast down, but you haven't been destroyed. There is good news all around. And when we begin to look at how uh, there's good news around it, you you begin to say, uh, uh, well, how do you see all this, Brother Shane? Why is it that you think that it's such a good thing? Because there are so many bad things and so many evil things that's going on. But I know that my Savior is still in control. When I begin to look at these conjunctions, Brother Shane, I begin to look them up and begin to to say, well, well, where else does he say these words? Where does he say yet? Where does he say but? Well, the one that first came to my mind, Brother John, as I begin to to pray about that and to look about it, Romans chapter number 6, verse 23, says, for the wages of sin is death, but (laughs) the gift of God is eternal life. Praise God that he has. Don't stop there. The wages of sin is death, but there's hope. Hallelujah, glory to God. The wages of sin is death, but there is hope. And I begin to look at, and such were some of you in 1 Corinthians chapter number 6, verse number 11, that laundry list of sins that all go through. And we begin to say, oh, we we go in shame. We think, oh my goodness, I wouldn't dare want to be in those lists. I'm going to be honest with you, there's probably a whole lot of people sitting in church pews that were a whole lot of such were some of you's. But, but, Such were some of you. You don't have to be that anymore. But ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of our God. So wonderful to know that God is in control and we can say, hey, I may have had a bad life before, but God, praise God, has stepped in and has made the difference in it. That great conjunction that's been there. The wages of sin is still death, but the gift of God is a wonderful thing called eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. And we're looking at these verses and we say we're troubled on every side. Yet, you say, well, what does that word troubled mean, Brother Shane? That word troubled really means to squeeze, to press down, to crowd down. When we begin to look at that word, how it's being used, then I begin to say, well, well, Lord, what does that him word mean? What does that, what does that word distressed mean? It actually means to him in. So I got confused. When I started looking at distressed and I started looking at troubled and I started looking at the definition of these words, I began to ask, well, why in the world is it that if it says that we're, we may be, we are troubled, we are squeezed down, we are crammed down, we are crowded out, we are pressed down, but why would God continue to say, but yet I'm not distressed. I'm not hemmed in. I'm not cramped down. I'm not compressed. I'm not straightened out. What does that mean? I'm not pressed completely down. 
I'm not straightened out. Have you ever tried to straighten something out and you, you took a book? How many of y'all, my sisters, they used to do this. They'd get flowers from their boyfriends and they'd put the petals in a book. I don't understand that. I don't know why they did that. If some of y'all did that, y'all come explain it to me after service tonight. But they would press them down. They'd straighten them all out. And they would leave them in there for decades and decades. And, and I believe, I'll be honest with you, Brother Rick, I think, oops, I just told how old they are. Sorry. I'm younger than them, though. But they would press it down to where it would be in there for years. And I'd even find them years later. We'd open up a book. They'd be in but they would be pressed down so hard that there was no way that anything else could happen. The reason that that is is because they're saying, hey, look, what is God telling you? You may be pressed down. You may be squeezed out. You may be crowded out. But you're not straightened out completely. You're not pressed down completely to where you cannot go any further. You're not pressed down completely. You are pressed on every side, but you're not straightened out. You may be perplexed. What does that word perplexed mean? It means to have no way or to be able to see no way out of the situation. You may be in a situation tonight where you can't see what's going on. You can't see how to get out of that situation. But then it says you may be perplexed, Lord help me, but yet you're not in despair. Why? You're not utterly destitute. You're not measured. You're not without resources. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Lord, help me get this out. When I begin to look at this, I, I look around and I say, I have no way out. I have no way to get out of this situation that I'm in. I may be in a situation where I don't even see the exit signs and I can't see. But thank God, I know without a shadow of a doubt because of the Savior that I serve, that He has provided a way for me to be able to get out. We may be unable to see a way out, but there is a way out. Why? Because God will provide that way for each and every one of us to get out of the situations that we are in. You may say, I'm persevering. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Well, persecuted makes to run or pursue to go after somebody, but not forsaken. That means you're not left behind. That means when somebody comes after me and I may start running and I may start getting out of the trying to get out of Dodge to be able to figure out how to get away from the people and the things that are pursuing me, but I'm not left behind. Have you ever been the slowest one in the group? I've been the slowest one in the group before. But thank God what he's saying is they may be pursuing you. They may be coming after you. They may be coming after and they they may take you down. But thank God that God has not left us behind. He's not forsaken us. He has not said you're left to your own. I'm just going to leave you behind. If you can't keep up, then too bad for you. That's not what God tells us to do. He says, I'm right here beside you. I'm not going to forsake you no matter what's going on in your life when they come down. And even in verse number 9 when it says cast down, that means to actually to throw down on the ground. That means that when I'm running, they may actually catch up with me. And they may actually push me down on the ground. And they begin to persecute against me. But I am not destroyed. That means I'm not rendered useless. I'm not abolished. I'm not utterly destroyed. I may be down on the ground. I may be down for the count. But glory to God, He's got me in His hands. And I'm not going to die because God has me on His side. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Thankful that He is on my side. We may be overtaken, we may be smitten down, but thank God that I'm not killed because of that. Boy, I'm, I'm, I want to propose a couple of questions to you tonight. What kind of Christian are you tonight? This is hard. What kind of Christian are you tonight? Are you one of those distressed Christians? Hmm. We are troubled on every side, yet not distressed. 
We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Are you living in a distressed Christianity? I looked that word up, distressed. What does it really mean in our English language? It actually means great pain, anxiety, sorrow, acute physical or mental suffering, affliction, trouble. I'll be honest with you, most all of us can say, well, I've been there at one time or the other. But the good news is we don't have to stay there. We may go through trials and tribulations. We may have anxieties. We may have great pains. We may have sorrows. We may have mental suffering that we go through. We may have afflictions and trouble. But are, are you worried about the cares of tomorrow? See, some of us worry and stress about uh, tomorrow. I'll be honest with you. I, I, I'm one of those, those, those free spirits that whenever tomorrow comes, tomorrow will be here. Not all people can do that. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm, I'm fortunate that I can do that. My wife, she can't do that. But what about tomorrow? I know there's a ton of people that are like that. And, 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 and so, but are you worried about it? I have seen, I'll be honest with you, I have seen anxiety and I have seen worry rob so many Christians of a victorious Christian life. And I'm here to tell you that we don't have to live that way. Through the power of the Holy Spirit of God, we don't have to worry about what's going to happen tomorrow because we can't do anything about what happens tomorrow. But we know the one that can do something about what's going to happen tomorrow. See, we shall have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear because God is on our side. In Psalm 56, it says this, When I cry unto thee, then shall mine enemies turn back. This I know, glory to God, hallelujah, for God is for me. Have you ever got a hold of the fact that God is for you? He really is on your side. He wants the best for you. He wants the best thing to happen to you. He wants you to be in the best. Now, I'm not trying to preach prosperity. I'm not trying to preach health and wealth gospel. Don't go. Don't get me going there. I'm not going to that spot. But I am telling you that he wants the best for you because he is for you. I want my children to do the best that they can and have the best that they can because I'm a loving father. But then Jesus Christ even says that if me being evil... Know how to give good gifts. So much more does the Heavenly Father know how to give such wonderful gifts to each and every one of us. And I'm thankful that I know that. Why should I have a spirit of fear and worry about what's going on tomorrow? Because God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And Satan is trying to fight against every one of us every day, every minute of the day, to rob you of your joy, to rob you of your happiness, to rob you of uh, of a time that you can go on. And I just want to tell you, stay faithful, child of God. God, stay faithful. Don't worry about what's going on tomorrow. Why? Because God already has it under control. See, Psalm 56, verse number 3 was given to me years ago. It simply says, What time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. What time I am afraid. I'll be honest with you, there's times that I'm, I'm fearful. But there are times that Thank God we just say, come on, Lord, you've got this. But then in Isaiah chapter number 12, verse number 2, I found this verse, and it it helped me a lot. It says, glory, uh, uh, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. (laughs) I don't have to be afraid. Why? Because God is my salvation. 
My salvation is already secure. My salvation is already fixed and taken care of. God has done that. Jesus Christ did that at the cross for me. I accepted Him as just a six-year-old little boy, thankful to know that I'm secure in the Holy Spirit of God and in the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't have to worry about that. Why fear anything? Because God has got me in His hands. Christ's teaching that you go through that, he actually taught a lot about that. And in verse number 34 of Matthew chapter number 6, he says, Take therefore no thought for tomorrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the thing of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Tomorrow will have its challenges. <laughs> be honest with you, when we get up in the morning, something else will probably go wrong. Like my mom was testifying earlier today, every time the phone rings... She's worried about what, who it is that's, this, that's sick this time or what's going on this time or what seems to be going on in, in this situation. There's times that we have to go through. We don't have to worry about tomorrow, only today. And we really don't even have to worry about today. For, he, for I know who Jesus Christ is. And he's on my side. Are you a distressed Christian? Are you a distracted Christian? Hmm. We're troubled on every side, yet distressed. I said earlier, we, we tried to turn the news on last night, and it didn't go well. But then I thought to myself, am I just being distracted from what really, truly matters? Troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Cast down, but not destroyed. Part of the distraction, to be honest with you, uh, from Satan is the anxiety and the fret of tomorrow. But there are other distractions. How many of you make a priority list? I, I really need to get this done. This is number one. This is number two. This is number three. Some of us are nodding our heads. Some of us are saying, I have no idea what you're talking about. Whether you realize it or not, you have priority lists. I was told a long time ago, if you want to know what's important to somebody, look at their calendar and look at their bank register. And you'll find out where they are and what they spend their money on. That's what they think is important. You think about it, that's deep, praise God. But that's just it, is what are the distractions? The distractions of our life that we go across, there's distractions all over our priority list. All people have a, possess a priority list, whether they want to admit to it or not, or whether you realize it or not, you have a, a priority list. The devil loves to fill in the gaps for your priority list for you. Well, you don't have time to read your Bible today because you've got this to do. Well, really, you don't need to spend any more time in, in prayer today because this and this and this has got to get done and you have to see these people and you've got to go to this doctor's appointment and you have to take these people over here and, and you've got this, this, and this and you've got work to take care of and priority lists getting filled up. And we're getting distracted from what God has told us to do all along. See, Ephesians chapter number 6, verse number 11. I love a verse that says, Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. That old devil is trying to distract you with everything but God. But Christ's teaching on the whole thing seems to say this. Listen, look with me in Matthew chapter number 7. It says this, Matthew chapter number 7, verse number 13. Enter ye in the straight gate, and wide is the gate, for broad is the way, and that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go thereat, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. Matthew chapter number four, uh, 14, verse number 29, Jesus Christ said this, 
come. He said one word to Peter, and Peter was come down out of the ship, and he walked on the water. And when people, when, when he saw the wind boisterous, and he was afraid, beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little faith, where didst thou doubt? Why did you waver? Because Peter was distracted. We get distracted on so many things in our life. Whether it be a computer, a a telephone, an iPad, television, magazine, newspaper, you name it, you insert it. There's something going on that's going to cause us to waver. Boy, we don't look to the left or to the right, but we just continue on for the Lord Jesus Christ. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Proverbs chapter number 4 says, Turn not to the right or to the left. Remove thy foot from evil. Don't be distracted by the circumstances that we're in the middle of. But are you a dedicated Christian? We can be distracted. We can be distressed. But I want us to be dedicated. Dedicated, holy, committed to something. We preach to give our all to Jesus Christ and we dedicate or decide to holy to give our life over to Jesus Christ. And, and it's not a convenience Christianity. It's a dedicated Christianity. You know how often, well, if it's, if I can do it, if I can make it, where are our priorities? Dedicated, dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ, saying that I'm going to go and I'm going to be that. How, how can we be dedicated knowing that Jesus Christ has promised to be with me? What is his promises to us? Because I, I can dedicate my life because he dedicated his life wholly to me. The Bible says this, let your conversations be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he has said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. I'm so thankful that this book has that promise in it. That I know without a shadow of a doubt that he'll never leave me. He has not left me and he will not leave you. But thank God I have a personal God. A personal God that's personally with me. In John chapter number 14, verse number 3, he's going to another place to prepare a place, but he's going to prepare that place and I will come again. Personally. Acts chapter number 1, verse number 11, says... Which also ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus. The same one. 1 Thessalonians 4, verse number 16. For the Lord himself shall descend. That's a personal Savior that I have. And I want to be dedicated to him because I have a personal relationship with him. And thank God that his return is going to be glorious someday. I can be dedicated because I don't know when that day is coming. But I do know it's coming soon. Looking for that blessed hope, as Paul puts it to Titus. Looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of our great God and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Boy, be dedicated to the the purpose of what God has given to me. The personal Savior and the promises that He's given to me. I heard, I heard a story, I was reading a, reading a little story about a, a young man that was uh, f- carrying the Olympic torch and the Olympic, uh, actually the flag for China. He was a nine-year-old boy. 
And he was accompanying uh, the man that carried the Chinese flag, and the boy was a, a national hero. And they were wanting to know, well, why? What, what did you do that was so great? Well, they began to ask him, and he said, he said, I actually, what, what had happened was there was a great earthquake, and, and during that earthquake, it shook China to the very core, and there were so many buildings that had fallen. And he, he rushed back into his school, and the school was crumbling down, and, and he rescued two of his friends, his classmates, and he took such great risks to be able to, to go back in and get into that building and crawling among all that rubble and, and the trembling, those remains that were falling around him. He took his own life and took a chance with his own life just to save his two friends. A news reporter asked him, why did you choose to go back into the school building to rescue your schoolmates? And the young man rec- replied, nine years old, he replied, well, I was the hall monitor. It was my job. I wonder if we take our job as Christians that seriously. I was the hall monitor. It was my job. I'll be honest with you, but Steve, I believe that we're, we got a, a challenge from Jesus Christ to go do something for him today. I think we ought to be a dedicated Christian that would even say, no matter what's going on, no matter the circumstances, even if I have to put myself in peril to save others, to see others come to Jesus Christ, I need to be that kind of dedicated Christian. Don't worry about what's going on. Don't be distressed. Don't be uh, troubled. Don't be perplexed. Don't be persecuted. Don't be cast down because we don't have to worry about being distressed. We don't have to worry about being in despair. We don't have to worry about being forsaken. We don't have to worry about being destroyed. Why? Because we are in the hands of our Savior. By faith. Just trust Jesus. Well, that's hard to do. See, that little story made me think about how many, how many few people, how few people take the Lord's work that we've been given, the responsibilities, how many of us take it that seriously? If we worshiped, if we tithed, if we witnessed, if we prayed, if we were dedicated to all that our Lord Jesus Christ had given us responsibilities, what a difference that would make not only in the world, but in our church. wonder if we can just be dedicated Christians and say, by faith, Lord, by faith, I'm giving it all to you. I believe that we can, and the Lord Jesus Christ, the Savior, would be with welcoming arms to help us along the way. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.